Hi everyone, welcome to an ep another episode of Black Women's Hour. We are continuing our series about identity politics, which we started last week. And we have another guest from last week on. We also had Professor Adolf, Adolf Reed Jr. And he was a very exciting guest, our first international guest. Alongside him, we had Louise Kwarteng, Professor, Doctor, which do you prefer? Okay, I'm in between now, but like, um, doc, just call me Doctor for now. Right. One day before Prof. Dr. Kwarteng yeah, and our most featured guest, Elaine, how are you doing? You're back looking very glamorous. Thank you very much for having me again. You've got a whole Whitney saving all my love for you, mistress homewrecker look going on today. I like it. <laughs> Thank you very <laughs> that much. Is <laughs> uh, yeah, so actually what we're going to be speaking about today it's quite an interesting subject because i don't think we'd be in 2021 still debating this mm. but i think with the way that politics is going right now and we keep talking about um louise's uh brother-in-law uh quasi quarteng and his ill <laughs> no 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 he's no part of the family tree i don't think no, but seriously, what's going on at the moment? Like we we spoke about the sewer report. You ladies were both present. <laughs> Look, Louise is still really upset. Quasi's nothing to do with this family. No, um, no, but we do have the likes of Quasi. We have the likes of Tony Sewell. We have, um, you know, Calvin Robinson. We have people who are seen by the majority of the black community to exploit their back blackness in order to make life harder for the rest of us in many different ways. So. The fact of the matter is, and leaving Calvin aside, because people will always speak about people who are mixed race and blah, 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 blah. But there are some mono black people out there who are doing the same kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting because they are sending the discourse. Um, there was a Tory MP who was defending Kemi Badenoch. And he was like, oh, I suppose uh, Kemi's the wrong kind of black. And you're like, stay in your lane. You don't have the experience to even talk about this. But at this point, what we're really asking today is, what does it even mean to be black? What does it mean? I mean, I think that all of us throughout our lives have heard certain accusations. There's always certain people who say you're not black enough, or mm. there's lots of words. There's the coconut word, uh, mm. the coon word, which and is more Americanism really, but people are saying it here a lot now. Coon here used to be um, a racial slur used by white people. Mm -hmm. I think when white people here, black people call themselves coon and they like to jump in and go, oh, you're allowed to say it, you know, uh, not realizing what it actually means. A coon, so coconut is like black on the outside, white on the inside. Another one, another Americanism, Oreo. Um, what else? Is there any? Bounty. Bounty, that's it, like a chocolate bar, black on the outside, white on the inside. Um, I don't know, there's a few of these slurs. Mm. But what we're gonna to try to get to today is what does it mean to be black? Like, just I want a quick sentence from all of you. What does it mean to be black to you? Well, whew, I mean, I think all, I think there's your heritage as well. So, you know, for instance, you know, Elaine and I, we all of us, we have heritage in countries that are black and we have the black descendancy from Africa as well. I think sometimes it comes down to the sort of culture because there are some things that as black people we've all got in common. So, I mean, a very one 
the one one thing that I think about is the sitting room. I know this is crazy, but like you know, there are certain things in all in all of our sitting rooms that we can probably remember as kids. You know, certain foods that we eat. You know, certain musics that we may have grown up with and stuff. So I think it's a mixture of our heritage. I think it's also a mixture of the things that we do. You know, like our lifestyles and that. But of course, it's not going to be the same for all of us. There'll be diversity within it. But I think the core thing is our heritage. And uh, Aisha, what does it mean to be black to you? To me personally, I think it's Just what, like a little short sentence, like. Or not to you, what does being black mean, in your opinion? I was going to say I agree with what Louise, uh, Dr. Louise said. <laughs> I also think that there's, unfortunately, the element of just how you look. So yeah. you could be as dark as all of us, but not have black features. So my grandpa's Sri Lankan, but no one calls him black, you know, <laughs> because he's not, he's Asian. So I think there's, unfortunately, the really basic element of it, as, and, and it's um, how the world or the white supremacist or hierarchical world perceives us also mm. um, in just in pragmatic terms um obviously i agree with all the lovely stuff that you said mm. louise and i think it's also true um elaine and i think um to piggyback off what both aisha and louise have said um it's really interesting when you speak to people who are freshies from africa who wouldn't, the first time they realize that they are black is when they come to a country where they are in the minority. Yeah. So we have a homogenous but heterogeneous experience as being black in Britain because at first, before people see us, mm. everyone gets put into the black bucket. As, as Louise has said, there's similarities when it comes to things in our homes, food mm. that we eat, music that we like, because of the fact that being a black person in Britain is very different to being a black person mm. in France and definitely very different to being a black person in America. Um, I know, or I believe like in the Caribbean, black, you'd know that you were black again because of the racial hierarchy, but here everybody gets lumped into being black and black will, in some circumstances, also include the Sri Lankan and they're talking about them politically, but in the main, they mean anybody in the main, before I get criticised, they mean anybody who can potentially trace their ancestry back to West Africa or Southern Africa. That would include people from the Caribbean as well. Mm -hmm. um, and it's very strange, I've had conversations with people where it's like, yeah, I didn't know, no, I am. Um, they represent their tribe, they represent their country. I see it when I go to my religion, that are Soka Fets and Carnival, people represent their islands, that's their country, that's their tribe. Um, in Ghana, you'll talk about being Ashanti, you'll talk about being Fanti. You say that before you say that you're Ghanaian before, but more, there's more of a Ghanaian identity. But in Britain, tick the box, Black British, Black British African, Black British Caribbean, Black British other. And you're all black first. So. Yeah, I mean, and I think even within you, the, oh, sorry, go on. I, I was just going to say quickly because you said South Africa, Southern Africa, and West, mm -hmm. but you didn't mention East Africa, no. North. You don't think they are right. black? I said I do think they're black. I do think they're African, and I think I'm thinking of us growing up with with my age group. Obviously, they've got people who are, um, and I, I think I said in the main as well. So in the main. 
we've obviously had people who came here from Ghana, Nigeria, as well as the Caribbean, and there have been people who came from South Africa. So I'm thinking about that part of the Commonwealth, and maybe um, like later on you had Liberians and Sierra Leoneans. And in the 80s more, and in the 80s then you had people from Uganda and Kenya and those coming through. But when people are talking about what defines blackness, when I'm thinking about when they see people who are black, they're in the main talking about people who are descendants from the transatlantic slave trade or maybe where it started off in. I was just asking simply because until yeah. a few years ago, I'd never heard anyone say, I'm not black, I'm Somalian. Like I, I, I've heard it and I just, that's why I was checking with you because I didn't know, obviously, like you said, Caribbean and we rep our islands, we've got Dominican, <laughs> that's we're mostly Dominican in the South. There's some Asian in here as well, but you know what I mean? So yeah, at Carnival, you see all this, everyone's got their different flags and stuff. But I was just checking because you're di more directly connected to Africa than I am, if it's seen like that over there, because oh, no. I really hadn't heard the Somalian thing. And I think I'm a little too old for it anyway. Sometimes it passes through my timeline, but I know it's a big debate amongst yeah. younger people. Like, you know, sometimes you'll see Somaliland trending, you click on it and go, oh. Yeah. I'm so glad I'm out of that. I'm not interested. I, I'm not getting involved in that. What were you Aisha? Just a quick question that was kind of related to uh, something that Elaine was saying. So when you're saying about repping, uh, whether it's your island, whether it's your tribe of your country, what do you guys say? What are you first? I, I say I'm I say I'm British gone in. Um, I also see. I, I mean, I, I kind of take it from all thingies because, like, I take it from the fact that yep, I'm British. I was born here. I'm gone in, you know, because that's my heritage. But then also like my region because, like, you know, I think people always assume that like if you're black and you're British, you only come from London. But actually. No, I don't, you know, I, I come from Nottingham as well. So I always just take it from there. And then the Ashanti side of me come because like, you know, my, my knowledge of tree is kind of crap. You know what I mean and stuff. So, I mean, I was just kind of like, I think it's more the Britain than the specific Ghanaian country and then my region, so yeah. British first, which is interesting. Yeah, no, but that took me a long time to, but I mean, I think that took me a long time to sort of, just to accept because like it's understandable yeah because it was like i mean and the thing is i can never say i'm english because i'm not like i think it's the more you visit like when i started spending a lot more time in the caribbean is when i just had to accept britishness it was certain things that i was like listen you said four o'clock i'm not, i'm not the best timekeeper okay four mm. four thirty four thirty is five seven o'clock is not acceptable to <laughs> you four o'clock and there's certain little things you'll see like everyone laughs at me in barbados like i will literally plan my route along air conditioning <laughs> like i was supposed to go my uncle wanted me to go there last year i was like well when they put you in quarantine is there air conditioning there he was like yeah. no i was like, sorry well, then I'd have to go into the paid one, which means I'll be spending two weeks in a really expensive hotel, not mm. being allowed out. It's not really worth it to me. It's like, it's fine. It's clean. I said, I'm not doing no air conditioning. He's like, it's so, so. Also, they spot you as, as English, you know, in Jamaica. You're from Farin, and they spot you. And I'm getting hounded by like street hawkers and stuff. I'm like, yo, this is my country. It's not. Yeah, I mean, there's the language barrier as well. Yeah, in Dominica, they will. Excuse me, my patois is fine. 
<laughs> no, but that's, you know what? I've had I've had an experience just like that. So I went to Ghana like in 2008 because I went to go and do some of my research there because I went, you know, like to meet the family and stuff. And I went to Cape Coast. So Cape Coast is on the so it's on the south. And like the thing is, it was just really, really interesting because like as I was walking down the beach, like there were these kids, they were just shouting and pointing at me, brony, brony, brony. So that basically means white person. And I'm just like looking at looking around, are there any white people there? And then I was thinking, oh, is it my mum? Because my mum is very, she's quite light skinned. So I thought, oh, you know, they're referring to her because sometimes in Ghana, like if you've got a lighter skin, that's what they'll call you. And then suddenly there's these kids around my feet. And I was like, rock. You know, they're cute. They were really, they were really, really little cute. They were cute, but I hate them. <laughs> yeah, I didn't hate them or anything, but I just thought they were so cute. But I'm just like, why are you calling me? Anyway, so like, you know, they start speaking. They're asking me where I'm from and stuff. And like, the thing is, my tree is not very good. Um, but like, you know, I was able to sort of like converse with them and they understood me and everything. So, but the thing is, they automatically knew that I wasn't from I wasn't from there and stuff and I was thinking well what is it about me because like at the end of the day like my skin is not really that much different to yours and plus I'd gone darker and so I couldn't work out what it is and then this guy tried to give me he said oh like you know give me your walkman I'll just go to the other end of the beach with it and I'll bring it back I'm just like no 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 I, I, can, tell I can tell you how they knew how walk too fast anybody from Britain walks too fast People who are back home take their time. Yeah. And obviously you you lived in London as well. You walk too fast. They yeah, tell yeah. me that I walk too fast. Um because it's not necessarily because of the clothes, mm. but is there something it's it's the way that we carry ourselves. Yeah, it's when we're on holiday that you will know. I can see the walk, even the yeah. style of walk yeah. is different, right? Yeah. It is. I think it's it's interesting because it's something that I don't think people think about until they spend time back in their home country. Yeah. Because it's like you said, there is something about being like, they will try and con you. Don't do that. Don't do that. It's really yes, bad. But it's like one of the long-term effects of slavery, transatlantic slavery is displacement. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I really went through like, you know, about five, six years ago where I was thinking, I don't actually belong here. I, I think I'm, I, I read Maya Angelou speak about it. She goes, you can't go home. Mm. It's just, it's, you can't go home. There's no home to go back to because it's not really yours anymore. Mm. And there's that kind of thing. And then, you know, I kind of found as well, like there's certain, like in Dominica, like, oh, why are all you English people mad? It's like, because you drive us that way. That mm. is like as them saying, you know, why are black people so angry? Like white people say, you made us that way. Because mm. every time I come out here, you're asking me for something. You're trying to con me. You're trying to be disrespectful. You're being rude. And then that way I have to go mad on you. And then they're like, why is he not so crazy? And it's really interesting as well. Um, I find in the Caribbean, the way that I'm treated, because most of my family either went to, went to England or they went to America. The Americans don't get treated in the same way we do. So like when you're African-American and you're in the Caribbean, they've got some leeway. They think you're a little bit tougher. When you come from Britain, you have to fight harder to say, don't play with me. It's really, really interesting. It's loads of things that people don't think about. So that's all part of the blackness as well. And you're just like, what am I, <laughs> Louise? Oh, yeah. Because I mean, the thing that you just made me think of two things there, because like, you know, that whole thing about 
you know, being different and stuff. I mean, I remember reading something by Stuart Hall and it's called like minimal selves. And like what he says, he says that like, you know, with, with, with migrants, like, you know, they've got this thing of where they, they go to the UK or America or whatever, and they keep talking about, oh, I'm going to go back, I'm going to go back, because I heard this from my parents, do you know what I mean? Like, so 58 years, they're still here, you know, we're here, they were supposed to go back after five years, but that, that is going to change you, do you know what I mean? Even people that are born and raised back home, like my mum and dad were, like there are some things that they just cannot take, do you know what I mean? They can't take and they were born there. So imagine what it's like for us. I mean, the other thing as well that you said about, um, like going back to the point about the different, the way that we move differently and everything, it just reminds me of, again, sorry to keep bringing in with the theory, but it's called like embodied cultural capital. So you're, it's how you talk, it's how you move, it's how you see the world and everything like that. So like, you know, the embodied cultural capital that we have, born and raised here is very, very different to what they were saying. And also in relation to the point that you say about with black Americans, they're being treated differently. I think they're, for them, it's almost like, you know, they've got that kind of blackness that is kind of commodified. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like the scene, not the acceptable form of, of blackness, but like that is what is used in popular culture. Mm -hmm. And that's what everybody sees. So there's not so much known about us as British. And then like, you've got that British politeness on top of that. So that's how we get screwed over. I'm sorry to say it, but that's how yeah. we get screwed over. But I think we do have to learn because again, last time I went to Ghana and people trying to screw me over, I was just like, no, I'm not having this. I'm not having this. Yeah. Like, you know, from when you're going to go and buy apples, one minute they're saying it's three CDs for five and then they give you the apples and say it's five CDs for three. No. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, I will be fighting back then. Yeah, well, no, I didn't buy them. I'm, I'm, I'm not buying them then. Yeah. It's, yeah. I just wanted to ask the same question. What, what are you first? I think it'd be interesting. I want to know where everyone is first. Probably okay. partly because I have no idea what yeah. I am first, but it was really interesting to hear Louise's um, answer. Right. So, depending on who asks me, actually, no. If I'm talking to black people in London, um, where am I from? Northwest London. Mm. Northwest London is a very different type of London from other parts of London. And I do mean that genuinely. Mm. Um, there's lots of jokes about people. It's the best part. But I call it North Best actually. But, and people are going to laugh at me, but I have said it publicly. And so um, my tribes are that I'm a North Best from, but North Best London, I'm a Gooner. Then I'll say I'm a Londoner. <laughs> then if I when I go abroad, depending on what context, if I'm going to America, oh my god, me and my red book will forever will never be parted. I am not from anywhere else. I'm British, and mm -hmm. I'll put on yes. this accent that I can manage mm -hmm. because I'm British. Because gosh, I really like our accent. Thank you very much. Mm. Thank you. But my. What makes me and what defines me is the Ghanaian-ness and the Ashanti-ness. And so if I'm somewhere else, like if, if I'm like in an older black context, I would always say that I'm from Ghana, I'm Ashanti. Mm. But I know that when I've been at work, people have asked me, so where are you really from? Oh yes, I was born on the Harrow Road. Is that what you mean? Where I'm really, really from? Oh, or oh, you mean from my mum? Yes. 
Because what I know why you're asking me. You respond to that question differently, whoever's asking you. Yeah. Of I'm speaking to another black person, they say where you from, and they go, Oh, uh, you know, I was born in South London, born in Brixton, whatever they go, no, but you know, whatever they go, but where are you from? And I'll be all oh, there in Barbados, you know yeah. what I mean? Like I'll say that kind of thing. It just depends on who's asking you. I do think it's um Louise put it best, I've never heard it like that, about being commodified. Yes. Because we tend to find when we go to other places, they really don't know about black British people. They're shocked, especially in the States. Absolutely <laughs> astounding. And I remember speaking to a guy in America where he was like, how can you be from Britain? I thought you'd all be light-skinned. I went, why? Because it's cold. He went, yeah. I was like, ooh, <laughs> stop this is so stupid. I mean, don't be so stupid. Like, they really don't know. And even to this day, with everything going on, one of the best discoveries, one of the funniest things is African Americans discovering Top Boy. And yes. Yes. And the amount of TikToks they've made trying to do what is the black British accent, which I yeah. find is so. But I mean, okay, so a couple of weeks ago, we spoke on here about um, being black in preschool how the blackness even affects like babies. Do you know what I mean? Like like toddlers and stuff, they are stereotyped. I think I read an article the other day where it said a five-year-old, I have a five-year-old black girl next door who's destroying things. Um, I can hear banging. Uh, but it just annoyed me. I read this article where it said five-year-old black girls are not comforted in the way that five-year-old white girls are because they're seen as tough. They're seen as, do you know what I mean? And one of the things I always am really conscious of, maybe she's a baby. And that's all, she's five years old. She's nothing but a baby. Mm. And you can tell she's still all moody when she's, you know, cries when she's tired. She gets into her little strops and stuff like that. And I just won't, so it's just, I think it's what we're all agreeing is, it's geography has a lot to do with your blackness. Yeah, it does. And, and I think again, like, you know, with identity, it's always very, it's fluid because like the thing is we will get, we will feel a stronger sense of our blackness and, aspects of it in certain places because like, as Elaine said that if she's in London someone would say to her that she's northwest I'll immediately say that I'm from Nottingham do you know what I mean I, I lived in Madrid for a while and stuff I mean and it was people had you know they couldn't believe that I, I could actually have been born in Britain and you know like or to be a British African because in their minds in Madrid like a lot of the women there were African they were they were um, sex workers yeah. and you know they couldn't see that you know that beyond that identity they couldn't be you know see that somebody could be British or black or anything like that so I think it does and I think for me that's where like you know that sense of like okay well I am British I'm forced to admit this that's when it really really sort of like hit home but I think it just depends on the context also like if you're like you know Elaine can probably testify to this like with Ghanaians there's a funeral every Saturday and I swear down right we should have a um like a, a website called findafuneral.com and then you press it and then it tells you, yep, there's one in Northwest, so you can go to that. But you feel more Ghanaian in that context. Yeah. yeah. Certain things, you know, so yeah. It does, it, it, like you were saying, I mean, I lived in Syria when I was younger and when we used to go across the border to Lebanon, I used to talk about it on stage, they wouldn't let us through the British passports till we just said we were Somalian, just for the sake of it. It was just like, they just didn't get it, couldn't place it, didn't understand it. And it was like, you're Somalian, you've got to, it was like, you know, we don't even look Somalian. It was just like, you know what, Somalian, fine, we'll take that, we'll just let us go, for God's sake. Do you know what I mean? You've got all these guys with guns screaming in your face that you're Somalian, mm -hmm. you're like, okay, you know, you've got the gun, whatever you want. 
But I think also, since we're talking about geography as well, we've got four people who've had four very different upbringings. Le Elaine is London all the way. Mm. I was born in London, but didn't live in London and went to boarding schools in what can only be described as countryside. And I'll let you leave you to choose where you want to put the emphasis in that word. Um, Aisha, you've always been, what, Reading, Brighton type of way? I was Reading, uh, Reading born and bred, Royal Box Hospital until uni. And then I was in Manchester for, I was in America for like a year or so when I was really little, but doesn't matter, but uni. And then after uni, pretty much south, like south, south, south coast. Yeah. So um, Reading's actually quite mixed. Uh, Elaine will know. You can get your hair products. You can go buy planting. You can go buy uh, whatever you know. West African food, or certainly West Indian food. So, um, and Manchester, obviously, fine. The South Coast, on the other hand, not so much. And I lived in. Well, I'm out of London now, and I'm in Bedford, and that is actually one of the things I had. Like I visited. I have friends, well, I, I don't even speak to them anymore, but like people from boarding school who are down there, I don't just don't see them, right? And uh, so we went to school together and there's so many of us who gathered in this area or just up the road in Harpenden or maybe down the road in Northampton or whatever. And there's quite a few of us around here and stuff. But one of the things I said, you know, like, oh, you should go to Bedford. You're having a baby, you want to come out of London, go to Bedford, it's easier. It's really easy to get into London. And then one of the things is like, can I buy seasoning? Can I get my hair done? I can get my hair done, just not as in many places. I'm actually banned from one of the black hair. There's two black hairdressers, I'm banned from one. Oh, um, it's not going to it. Um, but so I can get my hair done in one place. Mm. And I can get seasonings. Do you know what I mean? Like I saw this thing with oxtail the other day on the, you know, I went down yesterday. I was like, Mimi, after school, we're going down to buy our oxtail. You can I get my goat meat. I can get everything that I need. And I'm not a going out person. Apparently there's loads of Caribbean nights out here, actually, because I know people, Richie Brave was telling me about it. He was like, oh. you go to this night, do you go to that night? There's some really good nights in Bedford. Mm. Oh my God, I, was like, I don't go to any of them, mate. I just stay at home with me and me. The thing is, you can get stuff like that here, but it's overpriced and you're buying it from, you're definitely not buying it from black people, but then you weren't buying it from black people in Reading either. Um, and that's a conversation that we know we've all been having for the past however however many years I've been alive and mm -hmm. there's enough of them. But um, certainly here you're gonna get them and it's literally the most kind of bougie supermarket for white people run by probably Middle Eastern somewhere, I'm guessing Lebanese, um, but I don't know, I'm saying, but it's, uh, you know, very, very, very overpriced, but I can still get saltfish and ackee. So I'm kind of like, in Whiten, I wasn't expecting anything. So it's like they set the bar low and I'm just grateful for all of it, you know? So um, how would you describe the blackness in Nottingham, Louise? Were you from that Mar Malcolm X Center side of it? I've been up there. Oh no, no, I am from. Uh, oh, I know where you. I know where you mean. Um, Mark Marcus Garvey Center. Oh, no. Marcus Garvey. Sorry. Yeah, I. I, I mean, okay. So I'll, I'll tell you my little journey. So I was born in this place called Best. Well, not born there, but like I've had the first couple of years of my life in Bestwood. Now, Bestwood. This is going to sound rank, but I have to just say it. Like it's next to the fifth worst place to live in the whole of the UK. And you've seen, and I'm not, I'm not joking now, some people on Jeremy Kyle come from Bestwood. But, and then we moved to Sherwood, which was a lot more kind of like affluent. Elaine's been to my house there and everything. And then I went to school in West Bridgeford. Now at the school that I went to, right. So there's, there was 10, there's 10 black people out of a thousand. And I think, 
race was one thing, but it was more class because the kids were really, really rich there. Do you know what I mean? So, I mean, that, that was very, very interesting. And then I went to college. <laughs> my college was just like, again, it was, on, it was in the sun. That's how bad my college was. But I, got, I did all right there. But anyway, I mean, and the thing it wasn't is... wasn't all right. No, I don't. I, don't. I mean, I, I will always, <laughs> professor, I will always professor, doctor. Yeah, I'll always rep my college because you know I liked it there. But I mean, in terms of getting stuff, I mean, like hairdressers. I, you know, when I was younger, we used to have a hairdresser come to our house because there wasn't. There were salons, but like you know, you had to kind of mission to them. We had um, like uh, an Indian. It was no, it was a Pakistani shop. It's called Salim. So like, you know, he used to sell the, the food, like the yam, like, you know, the stuff that mm-hmm. was the farina for fufu or whatever. And then somebody in the Ghanaian community, um, Joe, Uncle Joe, Joe kind of like opened the shops. I think Elaine knows who Joe is and stuff. So like he opened stuff so that we could get like, you know, specifically Ghanaian things. And um, in terms of the community, there was a little one here. There was a little one there. And obviously not as big as it was in London, but like it was enough for us to like, you know, know everybody and to give us that sense of identity. So I think compared to some places like, I don't know, I don't know where to compare it to, but I mean, compared to some places, I think we were all right, but probably not as diverse as it is down here in London and stuff. But yeah, not even interesting. I'm not ready to go back yet. <laughs> but how, you see, cause we did the same, like I was like London all the way. And by the mm. time I came out of school and stuff, like, we had a family home in Kettering. Absolutely not. No way on God's green earth. I was going to London where people look like me. Then came to another whole set of problems, but that's another story for another mm-hmm. day. But like, so I think, well, uh, Elaine was already in London. Aisha, did you ever feel the need that you wanted to be in London or needed to be in London? I did eventually go to London, but I lived in Queen's Park, so I fucking fucked that one up. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, was it that bad? Um, but, <laughs> tell um, me about Queen's Park because isn't that quite posh now was it always posh it was posh then I mean I was in, I was 26 so like we're talking 13 years ago I, I think Jay Jagger lived like two roads down but anyway but right at the end of my road was like Kilburn High Road there's just like loads of um like you could get your food you could get everything you go out to eat and stuff like that there but what I will say is when I went to Manchester what I had thought when I left Reading which did have a big West Indian community, which my parents were pretty much really embedded in. You couldn't walk down the road without an auntie or an uncle or someone seeing you or, you know, whatever. Fine, that was great. It was great to grow up in. But I did think when I went to Manchester, I was going to be like really embedded in like the black community. And it's right there because the universities are here. Moss Side is here with Curry Mall. And then where you live as a student is there, all on the same road. But somehow, it manages to be entirely fucking segregated. It's completely segregated. Like, I didn't meet one white person, at the one, one, I wish, I didn't meet one black person in just the context of my daily life okay. as a student. Even if you went out to a garage rave, no chance. Even if you went out to a hip hop night, even less chance there'd just be like a freaking white guy there who took hip hop far too seriously. When the big tunes came when they didn't even dance, like, why am I here? So um, yeah, I did want a lot more black people, but I think it's very difficult to find them at certain universities, which certainly was a while back. Had I have known, I'd have gone man met, I probably would have met a lot more. Have you had an age where your blackness was really important to you? And how did that manif- manifest itself, Elaine? So I'd say that even though I lived in London, um and obviously I live in one of the most diverse boroughs in London Brent which has 
60% that B-A-M-E words in this borough, supposedly. Um, and so I've lived in Brent most of my life and I've lived in the borough of Ealing. Um, but I also lived in Reading and I went to university in Bristol. And the, and the places where I chose to go to university in the main, apart from my mum trying to make me go to Aberystwyth, were based on, do you know any Ghanaians in this place? I've got aunties in Leeds, so I chose Leeds University. I chose Nottingham. Um, I wanted to go to Reading because then I could stay at home. Hmm. My mum's like, why are you want to stay at home? I went to boarding school when I was 11 years old. Go away. Um, looked at Essex as well because Essex wasn't too far, and I can't. And like loads of and the universities in London, so I went to Bristol. I said Bristol's really interesting. I know you love Bristol um, from a political perspective, but Brist Bristol's very interesting. So I went to um, the University of Bristol rather than the University of West England. Orientation. Love Bristol. Wills Memorial Building. Do you know what he he made money? He's a merchant. You know he travelled. That's what they do, they travel, isn't it? On their gap years around. Yeah. 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 So that's how uh, my university was made from gallivanting money when in the 18th, 19th century, whatever. And um, yeah. we were warned, because I was living in Clifton. So Clifton, if it was in London, would be a bit like living in Kensington or like near where, um, near where Imperial is or near where, um, University of London is, but on a very smaller scale. Mm. And we were warned, and I was like one of the only few black people in my in my cohort mm. that we shouldn't go to St Paul's. Mm. And I'm thinking, why can't I go to St Paul's? I mean, like I know, like I've grown up, even though I moved out from whole, from Brent and we moved out a bit. Why are they telling me not to go to St Paul's? Because I also needed to know where I could get my food from. And I couldn't <laughs> get my food from state. I could not get my food in Clifton. Mm -hmm. I could not get my hair products in Clifton, but I could get my hair products and my food from St. Paul's or Eastern. They can't really be telling me that I can't be going to this place, which is literally, if, if it was like a, if you're in Clifton where my university is and you've got the palm, St. Paul's is the um, actual forearm. It's literally in the shadows of where my university was. And they're like, don't go there. It's very, very dangerous. Oh yeah, I know why it's dangerous. It's because the majority of the people who lived there looked like me before gentrification. Um, and that's where I realized, well, that's where I think that my blackness was reasserted because I've always known that I was, even if I've been one of the few at school. But at uni, I became the ACS president and all of that. And that means you can get to party, you get to meet people, go to other universities to party, sorry, to network party <laughs> and then we had act best where we did more networking and partying and um and so yeah i think it was from university that i it was like yeah Is that where your love of soca and all that comes from oh my love of soca no no it comes from all different cultures or was no. that from london london living in northwest london halston um you can't you can't <sighs> when you go to halston when you go to halston to me is like one of the last bastions of London which is trying very hard yeah. not to be gentrified mm. even though it's got a chicken shop from South London even oh, though it's now got careful with yourself no no but it didn't used to because obviously we had uh, you got they're not sponsoring so I'm not going to say their name um <laughs> there's 
chicken from Northwest. But if they want to, yes. we will happily accept their sponsorship yes. and <laughs> some chicken. <laughs> yeah. So you have you've got Northwest London chicken, and the, you know that it's the Northwest London because it's the place which is a chicken that's in a house. And then you've got the other one, which is the biblical name that is a three-letter word where you can get sticky ribs. And that's but there's now one in Halsey. <laughs> and they've got um they've now got a Costa, but my friends who come from other parts of London who are of Jamaican heritage are like, you know what? It's like you're stepping into Mandeville or Trelawney when you walk in in Halston. Mm. And I, from my primary school and from my friends where everybody came from anywhere but England. So I knew the Irish accent, the Grenadian accent, the Jamaican accents, Ghanaian, Nigerian, Filipina. Don't think until I got to my next primary school that I actually really met anybody who could tell you I'm English because I went to a Catholic school. And so it's from there that I got my love of soca. Yeah. So what about you, Louise? Quickly, just want everyone to answer this question. Okay. Like, was there a time your blacklist was important and how did that man manifest itself? Okay, so three, I think there's, there's three key, or couple, actually a couple. So the first one was when I was five and um, I was at primary school and like, you know, just imagine it was the early 90s, well, it was 1980. And, you know, at that time, you know, like race tensions was really, you know, bad and stuff. And this kid started chucking stones at me. Um, and then he started calling me, believe it, Blackistani. I don't know what that is, but he started calling me these really nasty and that and many other racist names. So anyway, I, I, I mean, one, when one of the stones kind of like hits you, obviously you're going to start crying. So I went in to see my teacher. And like, you know, this teacher, she could, she was always like, you know, she was always saying, be proud of your, your heritage, you know, be proud of your blackness and everything. Was she black? No, she was white Irish. But because I think she understood it because like Irish people were getting it then, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, so basically she went ballistic at this boy. And then, um, you know, she did this thing where like, you know, me and my best friend had to lie on the table and all the kids drew rounders. And then like, you know, just to highlight that it's okay for people not to be, well, people shouldn't be racist really. So I think, I think there was that aspect of it. And then when I, um, when I started getting into the rave culture, so that's like 30 years ago now, when I started going, going to like raves and stuff, I remember the first one I went to, which I wasn't supposed to go to, but that's another story for another day. And then we, um, we, yeah, so I went, I remember going into this tent and they were playing sort of like, you know, techno prodigy and stuff like that. And it was just me in there, well, me, the one black girl. And there's all these kind of like, you know, white men with, the, with their t-shirts off. And it was just like, you know, they were looking at me as if to say, well, what are you doing in here? Do you know what I mean? And stuff. And then some of the black people just like, why are you going in there? Do you know what I mean? So it just kind of gave me a sense of, okay, yeah, I'm black, but I mean, I can be in here just as much as anyone else. And I'm not going to really listen to anyone else you know kind of slandering me or anything I'm just going to be and then a couple of years later when I came down to London to be to come to university I got off so I went to UEL and the campus was embarking got off the district line and it was just bare black people you know what I mean there's a lot of Nigerians I heard a lot of Yoruba but then I heard some too as well and I'm just like yes I've come to the right place my col my my um, campus they used to call it little Lagos and so I'm like Do you know what this is my end you know, so I think it's sort of from they were the key kind of seminal experiences, but I've always like you know embraced my blackness and stuff, you know. So, yeah, yeah. what about you, Aisha? Um, one of the key moments where, well, being mixed, I always felt black, 
anyway, which mm. sounds counterintuitive, but I did. Even though I am really close to my dad and my Sri Lankan family, I always felt black, partly probably because of being perceived as being black. Mm. I don't think many people look at me and necessarily think I'm mixed race, mm. um, even though Ava's going to say something. <laughs> look, at her, look at her little faces. I was going to leave the house slave talk out of it. Yeah, I was, I, was, look, I was waiting for it. I was like, five, four, three, two, boom. But, but this isn't the traditional mix that we have. And obviously, I've met your dad. Yeah. Uh, um, and he's really great and he's really in touch with black culture. Yeah, my grandpa was also my shrine. His dad was also part of the civil rights movement here. Talks about meeting Stuart Hall. It's called showing off, grandpa. You know what I mean? <laughs> and like, so it wasn't like I was brought up with some white side of me where I had to struggle with whiteness. I mean, my grandpa and my aunts and uncles would call themselves politically black. So mm. I always thought I was wholly black, if that makes any sense. Yeah. But in terms of um, coming, when I really, really, really felt black would be church. Um, because um, because my family was so irreligious and sort of like my mum always calls me a heathen, you know, I, I am, I am actually a heathen. I'm a fully pretty militant atheist. I'm right with other people believing, but I, it's not for mm. me. But when I used to go to church, that was really when I was confronted the most with, I'm like, this is me. And, and it felt okay. Mm. You know, I was good with church, but at the same time, I was like, I don't believe any of this, but I can get down with it. And I think that was probably the first time that I really, 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 and I mean, I'm talking like six or seven, you know? Yeah. And then there were later experiences like Louise talks about being a diehard Radiohead fan, a diehard Nirvana fan, properly liking rave, drum and bass, um, you know, all of that. I'd often find myself as the only black girl in the room. There'd be plenty of black guys all over and over, unattractive white women, but. <laughs> I think. As an aside, seriously, did you see that video the other day, but I will get back onto the subject, of that mixed race woman talking about black men coveting white women. Mm. And then she puts up a picture of her mum and goes, there are beautiful white women out there. But I'm just oh so my God, yes. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Uh -huh. I thought, oh my goodness. Anyway, yeah. Uh -huh. so, uh, <laughs> uh -huh. I'm sorry, but I was in shock. I was like, did you have to? Her mum must have just thought, what on earth are you doing? <laughs> It just look, the thing was about it is that even black women weren't grateful for it. All of us were going, sis, what are you doing? You don't need to put your mum on blast like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was just, just an aside on this. I had a little little story while I was when I was dating, when I was dating, I no longer do that kind of nonsense fucked up bullshit. When I was doing that craziness, I would date to see white guys and they'd be like, I just want to ask you. Why do black guys go out with the most unattractive white women? And I was sitting there, I had to sit there, and I'd be like, yo, brethren, the white guys are calling you out. <laughs> anyway, I just had to, I just yeah. had to just they that because that. I was like, they're laughing at you guys, well. they are laughing. Jungle <laughs> fever, they mentioned that as well. Um, no, anyway, so back to the question you were asking, Adam. Going, going back to the blackness for me, I think it would have to be teenage years. It was teenage years that I came out of boarding schools where I wanted to settle. It was just about going through school and it being the very, very thin white girls that were seen as attractive. And I thought I was hot. I just didn't get it. I was like, I don't get it. I don't know what you guys are looking at. I don't see it. I often was told off because I would often go, but she's not pretty. She's blonde. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get what you're looking at. I think I always had that kind of self-confidence. I think I went looking for it. And I think, it was a very 
conscious decision of mine to have black children. That was very important to me. Um, I don't know if it was just confounding expectations because everybody would expect me. Everyone always asks if they haven't seen my kids and my kids mix. Always, always, always. I don't know. I think it was just like a getting together of so many things. And I think it was music taste. And I mean, I remember once being in London, having my headphones on and these black group of black girls were there and they were just like, oh God, they used to take the piece out of me. Because I mean, I used to be really posh. When I came out boys, I was ridiculously posh, like stupid, stupid, sounds like a joke accent, sounds like, it was so bad. I was so, like, I, even when I speak to, like, I was speaking to my friend from school the other day, she goes, oh gosh, Abba, and then this chap, I was like, you're saying chap, unironically, stop it. Just stop <laughs> talking like that. But then I was thinking, God, that must have been how I used to start on my so, so I think it was really important to me to establish myself as a black person. And I went through so many things. Like, honestly, I remember Bristol. I remember, um, you know, that kind of area I, uh, Lane was described. I used to go like all around these areas. I used to love a gunman back in the day. <laughs> loved him, loved him. Uh, I used to be up in Chapel Town and Leeds. Like, mm. I used to go out with the worst, dreggy kind of black guy. <laughs> People in London. Chapel Town. Yeah. You know I mean? I always made a joke, if you weren't on curfew, you didn't have a tag, I wasn't interested. Like, mm. I just went to, like, I went through phases of hip-hop and uh, ragga, and then I went through R&B. I just tried every single thing that I could, trying to work out which part that I fit in. And um, yeah, in the end, I just decided to be myself and I'm quite happy with it. But I think it was definitely, definitely teenage years for me. Mm. Aisha? Question, because it just kind of in response to everyone's kind of responses. How much then of our blackness is performative? Because why are you searching out this stuff, Ava, to check if it's black, that bit of blackness for you? Why is Louise feeling weird and scary about being in these spaces as well? You know, how much of, are we aware of the, or, or are we trying to put on what we perceive as blackness for other black people to, to accept us as black? I don't know, I think it's... I don't uh, even know, you see what I mean? I'm not quite sure what the question is, but I, I think, think kind of see quickly before Louise answers with her uh, academic, <laughs> with a proper answer, I think it's not so much about performative. I think white people perform blackness and white people have a perception and we're living in that world. Okay. So you will often find black boys, I remember finding a little note that my son, when I was going through his phone, when he was... Uh, he, he sent a message to his friend. He's like, yeah, I'd be in prison, yeah, if I, had, if I hadn't gone private school. I went, shut up, nerd, mm. about you being in prison if you didn't go private school. What are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like, I think there is that, and a lot of black men talk about performing. Hold on, hold on a second, please. Um, <laughs> does anyone else, while well, we've got a little hiatus? Yeah, um, yeah so I think it's... I think it's also roles that you're put into. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I, I remember like one of the feedback things we got from a very early show we did with John Barnes. So, well, you lot were trying to not be the angry black woman. I said, I wasn't trying not to be the angry black woman because I'm just not. I'm just well, not. I am and I was. So I mean, I can be angry and I'm not sorry when I'm angry. And I, can, I don't feel held back by any black, angry, you know, angry black woman stereotype. If I'm angry, I'm angry. And that's all there is to it. So I think it is a lot of 
you're looking for certain things to fit into because there was also it's also quite exciting for me you know what i mean we're talking about back in the day when when ragga was a thing and when little kim had her first solo album and she wore a blue dress and a blue wig and this and that and so i just thought all these things i was never had access to and never was allowed to see or to have i used to go down to um like a dreads uh, in bricks I used to run down and go, wow, I was born here. I just look and I wanted to listen to the music. I wanted to go to the raves. I wanted to do all those kind of things. I don't think I was performing for anyone. I was kind of trying to find myself and it was like very much Jamaican culture. And then it was like, you know, I know a lot of African kids spoke about pretending to be Caribbean when they were younger. And now women shut the Nigerians up, God. Do you know what I mean? My son doesn't even, he's half Nigerian, doesn't even call himself Caribbean doesn't even acknowledge it. He's like, he's calls himself Nigerian and that's, do you know what I mean? So I think it's, and then as we were growing and we all, you know, we were lumped together, like you said, you had your granddad with the political blackness and stuff. Yeah. And then as we were growing and as we started to separate out, we started finding our own identities, which is why I would go, if I was younger, I'd, be like, oh, I'd love to go to Jamaica now. I'll go to Jamaica when I can, but I'm not going that far without seeing my own family. Yes. You know what I mean? So, and then we've got parts of Bajan culture, Dominican culture that I that resonates. So I don't know if it's- I When I say performative, I mean in terms of what the narrow terms of the white gaze or the little, the little areas that we're supposed to fit into. Maybe that's what I mean. And I guess that's kind of, you touched on that in, in what you said. I yeah, I think the white gaze is what made political black blackness possible. It was just like, for this moment, for this time, this is what we have to do. But yeah. yeah. It's also, it's, it, it, if you're finding your awakening um, around the age of teenagers, maybe it's the fact that it's simply just our coming of age. Yeah. And as you're, really when I'm thinking about, um, you're speaking to 50% of the black people who were in my year school. So yes, I went to school in London, but it was on the outskirts of London. And, but, I don't think I needed to really do anything different because I, at the weekends, no, sorry, after school, I wasn't allowed to go and hang out in the park with people and get drunk with people like the rest, like my, my school friends who I'm, some of them I'm still friendly with and you would have read them on my Facebook. Um, I, but my black experience compared to what other black people have had in the UK is very, very different. So there are people who talk about the fact that they were never allowed to go trick-or-treating. That didn't happen in my house. We were allowed to go trick-or-treating. Yeah. I've yeah. heard of people talking about how they weren't allowed to go on sleepovers. Yeah. Again, outside my family and the people who my mum has now told me I may or may not be related to, I went to sleepovers. I remember going to um, people from my school, secondary school, um, watching this like, dirty dancing, watching things like Terminator at sleepovers and having the similar same experiences as the white girls in my school. I was going to say that's quite a white British or yeah. Western yeah. experience that you would read about and I, exactly. I identified with. And, and the only like thing that I didn't have, but then again, it didn't bother me, um, and I've got to phrase it correctly, I didn't have a boyfriend at school. But then again, whether, whether they fancied me, it didn't bother me because I didn't fancy them. So, and... As we've had discussions in the past about interracial relationships, even though I have only, I have in my, from my secondary school through to my professional career, only be, been like one of the few, if not the only black person in the room, 
I've never had an interracial relationship. I have been told though by black men that I do come across like somebody who would date a white man. I don't know what that is. Oh my God, you have so touched on a point. Ava hasn't she touched on a point? And I don't know what that means. Does that mean that it's because of the fact that my ex... Please, I don't want to get gunned. That my experiences might... Please don't gun Elaine. No, my experiences may have been... Because you can't put me into a box, because yes, I am Ghanaian. As you say, like people, I call myself the Ghanaian fucking artist because your pictures that you'll see of me on social media is either me professionally, you'll see me raving a Ghanaian flag, it will be at carnival. Um, and I wear so many different caps. And I guess even the fact that I love football so much, not to say that black women can't love football, but the fact that I feel comfortable going to a football game by myself and sitting those. Thankfully, it's Arsenal, so we're not racist compared to the others. Um, but I can sit there in the North Stand and sing along with, with somebody who's an Arsenal fan. And that's why I say it's, it's my tribe. And I actually, that one, when somebody says that to me, it's not to say that I have an issue of interracial relationships, but when you're telling me that, you're actually trying to be snide and have a dig at me because I don't know what energy. And is it because I don't like your crackhead looking waves or whatever? Nah. That doesn't make know, any okay, can I can I say something on the back of that? So I mean, I just have to because my 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 brother's in an interrelation. In fact, and so is my sister as well and stuff. And I, you know they're happy. So I think you know what they they're happy. They're doing them and stuff like that. And I and if people are doing that, I'm the productive one. We're not going to be slagging them off. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. That's the thing. That's the thing. But yeah, I think people are just people, and you know they get on with who they want to. But what you're saying there, Elaine is just, I mean, I think this is very, very symptomatic of why I wanted to do, why this is this podcast is so important because it, it gets on my wick when people stop kind of like putting these damn narrow categories, sorry, I'm off, I'm off for a moment, it really gets on my wick because it's almost, okay, you like football, so you must be this. I like football, so I must be that. I like rave music, so I must be this and all this, that and the other. So this is what I mean that people, we're in 2021, why are people just kind of like boxing you and saying this or because of the way that you for me as well it's because of the way that i speak as well because i you know like i don't i i, I you know because instead of saying hello i'm like hey up do you know what i mean so it's that that sort of thing of lumping and it kind of reminds me it goes back to what um like fanon says sorry i'm chucking in my sociology here, but <laughs> like you know he says that he says that like you know like people need to realize is that you can't with black people you can't lump us all together because we're not always going to see things in the same way and that doesn't necessarily have to be through an argument or anything like that people do things differently do you know what i mean people do and why why is it that we just can't understand it doesn't make you any less black or it doesn't make you any more black to do x y or z you just do you you know what i'm saying you do you if you like us i mean I'm sorry that you picked such a crap team, but like, you know, like if you like Arsenal, fine, you know. So, um, Louise, what football team do you support again? Oh, we won't go there. We won't go there. Let Ross Red Forest. Then, okay, since we, we brought it around, so we talked about how we felt black growing up, like mm -hmm. when it was most important to us, how it manifests itself, how we got other people to view each other. Mm. But we all know people, okay? Now, because this is where, this is kind of a dichotomy. It's kind of like, we all know people who are like, please, you you know, even if you don't say, I know you guys don't want to say any of the C words, mm. but we do know people where you're like, mate, 
stop it. You know, I, I remember the first time I realized white people knew this is when I was still in the prison service. I went out for a drink with this guy and he said, oh, do you mind if my mate comes to meet us? Mm. And uh, I said, no, 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 no problem. And this time I was strictly black men, strictly, strictly, strictly. Mm -hmm. And um, was in the prison service because I couldn't do my usual type. Um, so I was like, oh, is it a nice, is it a black guy for me? He said, oh, no, 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 he's not black. So then uh, about five minutes later, this guy comes up to us. He's got the funky dreads. He's come up to us. He goes, all right, you all right? It's this black guy, right? <laughs> and he's, he's got, he comes up and goes, you all right? Can I get you a drink? And he was like, no, 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 we got one. He goes, why? Well, I'll just get a pint in. And then I said, hey, I thought you said he wasn't black. And the white guy turned around to me and went, let's face it, he's not really, is he? Do you know what I mean? I was like mind blown because I didn't think white people noticed or saw. Or mm. do you know what I mean, Louise? I didn't think Louise is right now is hilarious. But oh. like, where is the line then? Do you know what I mean? Because not even in what you call them, but. The, the criticism against Quasi. I mean, Louise, you're pulling a face, but you were not pleased when I said he was your brother-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> there is like people, there's James mm -hmm. Cleverleys, there's the, there's the, do you know what I mean? How much we measure blackness? We've always got Marcus, um, who I've worked with before, Marcus on Twitter, everyone knows Marcus. I don't know what his username is right now. But Marcus uh, yeah. DJ, some, I don't know what it is at the moment, but Marcus is mixed race, his mum is Bajan. Um, always calling my Bajan bro, see him like that. Mm -hmm. but. Marcus will always go, oh, you see, all of you lot who think you can tell which mixed race people have a black mum, well, James Cleverley's mum's the black one, actually, not, you know, it's not the black. That's an anomaly, you know what I mean? So there is a certain thing of blackness, because that is a common conversation when you see mixed race people. Mm -hmm. I remember when on our, our sister show, when Aisha said to me, is, Calvin mom's, is Calvin's mum white? And I went, well, of course. And also, when I said to Adam, what are you saying, I said to Adam, you see that when he said, I'm the type of mixed race person whose mum is black. And I said, oh, the right way round then. He didn't laugh. So you have people like Adam. Do you know what I mean? Look, you have Bob Marley. You have Malcolm X who had mixed heritage. Do you know what I mean? But so what is this blackness that we're talking about because although we can't define what it is we can damn well define when someone hasn't got it i want to hear like from each and every one of you i don't know louise do you want to go first or last right okay so i mean this it's it's very interesting because I mean, I, I, some, I can't tell who, who if, some, if, if you have a mixed race person and stuff like that, I can't tell who, which parent is what or anything like that. But like, if we're talking about people like the one that won't be named, who has the same name as me, um, you know, all of, all of them kind of people. For me, I mean, you know what, like, they are black, but I mean, I think for me, it's just like the politics that I've got a problem, I, I disagree with. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, and that in my mind, it, it, it hurts me. But like, you know, that's their definition of what it means to be them or whatever and stuff like that. I mean, it pains me because like it does hurt me when I just think, you know, you've got someone that's got the same surname as me, but you're just we are polar opposites. Do you know what I mean? Every, I mean, it's, it's a bit scary to know that actually we were born in the same year and you know, like four days apart, all that kind of stuff, but we don't talk You're about twins. 
Twinnies. Twinnies. Twins. Okay. That's actually quite scary. But yeah, he's four days older than I am. But anyway, but I think for me, it's it's sometimes it's to do with experience. It's to do with your sort of politics and everything. And also, I mean, again, I'm going down this sociological route, cultural capital, because like cultural capital, I mean, they, they define it in, in terms of certain things like, you know, what you'll learn, what, what you learn, the kind of books you read, your qualifications and all this, that and the other. But I think there's another aspect that's like not really tangible so it's like what you know like that heritage the, the way that you know you're taught your heritage and all this that and the other and I'm not saying that they're not taught theirs it's just that we may have been taught of it in a different way because I mean I know for me I grew up in the Ghanaian community very very much embedded in it so I have that strong sense but then I also have that strong sense of Nottingham so I think what it is for me is that like what blackness means to me it means it's probably going to be very different and it also relates to something what bell Hooks says because she talks about this idea of like postmodern blackness and it's not a homogenous thing because you know like we're in the whereas before i mean i think it was very very essentialized and it still is to a certain extent but now we're at a point where like you know people not all but like there is some recognition of the diversity within us and i think that they like i say he's it kind of just is just very different to mine. Very. <laughs> Aisha, what when you see those people? When are there certain people that you see who have black skin where you're like, listen, you're not black at all? And what would make you make a judgment like that on somebody? Okay, so back in the day, it used to be their hair, because if they didn't have a black mother and they had some white mother and they just no, let no, them... No, 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 sorry, sorry, because I, I brought mixed race into it because that was just an aspect of blackness. But if you're talking, if we're talking in of mono black people or, oh. or you know what I mean? Or, no, yeah, well, but they're what hair again. Um, I mean, <laughs> I mean, if there's somebody who's mixed or, or mono black, Mm. And there are some that we see where you go, oh, please, you know, whether you want to refer to them as a C word or you want to go, this person is mm. not black. Like, what is it that would make you denounce your uh, member of your skin folk? Um, apart from sea swimming, obviously. Um, <laughs> I think really is the fact that they're willing to, to, um, they have, and it isn't that you have to necessarily be loyal to the entirety of black people, because like we've made the point, we're not monolithic, we're not all the same. Um, but if you are gonna do things that harm either, even if you're politically different, and I think we were talking about this before, Louise, and I like, I can get on board with some Tory ideologies, not current ones, because no. they're all racist, but actual ideologies like Keynesism or, or um, Adam Smith, so that kind of stuff, they are actual ideologies you can get on board with. It's if you're willing to actually harm people that look like you for your own personal career, uh, then, I'm pretty quick to denounce because I don't really care if you didn't grow up knowing the latest dances or you didn't grow up knowing the latest songs because you're still black yeah. you know you're still culturally black even if your household you know pretended that you weren't that's it was still there but if you're willing to do that stuff I think that perhaps personally were I given the power and I would love that power I would but, be renouncing black cards left right and so I mean and that's what I mean by the politics so I think you've articulated it a lot more because I mean for instance if we're talking about immigration I think I think you know like some of us we really need to be careful about saying certain things like we're trying to deport people and and you know stuff like that because you have to remember 
that a generation ago, that's what they were saying to our parents. Do you know what I mean? First they came for, and then they came for, and yeah. So I think I think that's where I mean. That's what I mean by. I mean that's one of many examples, but I think that's one of the things where I just can't. Mm -mm. I think I would say the same because I I just think it can't be music with my dreadful taste. Mm -hmm. No, I can't. It really can't, can't be music. Really to anybody, you know. I listen to everything, and I don't care. I would just yeah. listen to what I want to listen to. I have no. I, whatever I like, whatever brings up a memory, if I like a beat, um, mm -hmm. if I like, if it just invokes a feeling in me, you know what I mean? If it was a great lip sync on Drag Race, mm -hmm. you know, that's how I ended up with Carly Rae Jepsen in my um, like music library. It was just, Elaine's like, she's gone too far. But like, it's just, you know what I mean? But Elaine, Elaine let's just meet. I would say <laughs> the exact same thing. It is if you are actively going out to help, because I couldn't even say it's mixed race relationships, you know, because I know some wonderful black men in mixed race relationships. And one of the things that people always point out is Fanon was in a mixed relationship, pretty much quite a lot of black leaders mm -hmm. um, were in mixed race relationships. Frank, uh, what's it for the Mangrove Nine, Frank? Oh, Frank Richo, mm -hmm. um, do you know what I mean? So there's yeah. loads of people that you're like, well, I, even though you might be with a white person, do you know what I mean? It's kind I'm of like, you know, yeah, I'm I mean, annoyed that the white person I went with has to make himself known because I would have denied that to the end of time, but never mind. But, um, you know, I'm just kind of like, I don't, for me, it's, it can only be the harm you're causing other black people. There's just nothing else. What about you, Elaine? So I think um, when I'm through thinking about the people here, I don't think you'd have a problem with them if we were back home mm. because you you can vibe and be comfortable in your blackness, however it comes through. Mm. But living here, it feels like in certain respects that it's that you've chosen your class that you are in yeah. or the class that you're aspiring to be in over your race. And maybe that you've got stuck in the code switching that we all have to do. So um, and when I talk about code switching, even when I'm talking to my mum, the way that I would speak to my mum in public it's different from how I would speak to my mum if we were at home. So everybody has to code switch. But I think that some of these people that we're talking about are um, that they've got stuck and they can't reboot themselves. But it would be fine, as I said, like if you were in a black majority country, because on the grand scheme of things, um, like if you were to, if you were to speak to certain people, the fact that I if I worked in immigration, my job was to involve telling people to go back to where they came from. If you're in, I have read people who will do down the conservatives here because of their policies, but then on the same breath would say, the Chinese need to leave Africa, the Chinese need to leave the Caribbean. Why are these people coming and taking our jobs? Why are people building up the beaches? Which, which is fine. And you know what? If you're in any country, any country should be able to protect its borders, protect its citizens. However, the issue that we have in this country is that if you've got skin, like all of us women on this screen, our citizenship is tested over and over again, where thankfully, I think all of us, by virtue of the fact that we were born in this country before 1983, we're British. But just. if you were just, yeah, just but <laughs> one year, my brother wasn't. But if you're not, but if you, but if we were born here, um, 
a few years later, and if we have done something wrong, like other people, then it means that you've got yeah, your, yeah, citizens, yeah. The, your citizenship dangling over your head. And so you're never a class as being a fully fledged citizen. And that's what we have our issues with, these, with, with the people who are black or brown. And I guess in summary, it's that for me, um, what makes you black in Britain or even in America, because we are the minority, is that the fact that you're still thinking about your roots and you're still thinking that your spirits of your ancestors are walking and you're walking in their footsteps. And the others are looking at forging their path in going forward rather than thinking about where people have come from. And I think that's what the issue is. Yeah. I don't care if you were grow if you were born in a council estate in South in, in South Kensington or North Kensington. No, we're talking about your real ancestors, not where you were just born in 1970 something. Yeah. And I think with that also because this is how we were raised, because I mean just look at Saturday. Do you know what I mean? Because there was a lot of kind of talk about our ancestors and all that. So I think that is very much a, a thing. And also you just reminded me of the kind of class thing and this kind of links to what we were talking about last week so do we see our race or do we see our class as the dominant thing I still I still say that you have to kind of take on board the two but some people will see that their class is more important like our friends and again you know to use the sociological terms that's the, the habitus because they're the kind of people they've moved into certain environments like you know they've gone to certain schools they've moved with certain people so it becomes a very much a part of their cultural capital parts of who they are their habitus the way that they see the world so it may be that you know like we may struggle to have anything in common with them but it's just different you know that's that's I mean it hurts sometimes but it's just different and I guess before and before Ava and um, Aisha move on I guess the reason why I say it's about the roots is also about your ancestry mm. and I don't know I mean I'm presuming that Asian people actually I do know Asian people would have the same the same kind of when you're when you're moving as a black person you know that you've got the weight of the nation on you embodied i know that if i was to go on a reality tv program it doesn't matter that my i'm elaine adipoku that i'm from ghana and whatever there'll be somebody who's a black person who might come from one of the islands up north who'll be seeing me and if i do something that is not classed as being what black people do um, on TV because of the spirituality that we've been raised in. That yours, I don't understand people who wear tights through the summer. I, I understand black, lots of black people do this, that they wear tights all through the year. Not me. <laughs> so if I was to go, say, on, I'm too old for Love Island, but if I was to go on Love Island and I was to get off with somebody on television, <laughs> whether they are black or whether they are white, whether they are male, female, whatever, the person, I know that black Twitter, Shade Borough, everybody would gun for me. Because Not just I, that, yeah. you're going to your white place of work and someone who thinks they're a bloody comedian would call me and be like, all right, Lane. Yes, that too. You know, that's what it, that's the next thing. Lest we forget, you know, one black woman shows her face one time, one place, every other black woman across the country is all right, all right, whoever you are from time immemorial. Sorry, yeah. I just had to get that in because I it was so relevant. But the tights thing, Elaine, is um special. I don't really believe in tights as a general rule either, especially not through the summer, Lord my God. And the other thing that I realized that I'm not 
as black as some people would like, or even Ghanaian as some people would like, because I, I was listening on Clubhouse and people were like, oh, you know you're Ghanaian when you go to like a Pentecostal church and you're in church. I was like, really? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. And I only, uh, this year is the year that I learned about gospel music. Last year, I'd never even heard of the Clark sisters. Do you know why? Because I went to mass. Mass is 45 minutes long. Who's got time to be in church for like all day? You've That's never been to a Pentecostal church service. That's how you know your parents love you. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me. When my parents wanted time off, they'd send me to church with my grandma. So they would wake up at seven in the morning. You didn't come in from church till one in the afternoon. And then you had to go back. You're back to church. No, no see, that's, oh, that's, that's a different experience. The church thing, I think it. we'll do a series on this about black and religion and stuff. We did have uh, Jarrell uh, Robinson Brown and uh, Father Jude. Um, Mama Jide, actually, we should call her. Um, and we did have them talk about black people religion, but we spoke about it more from a sexuality aspect. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really important aspect to, to speak about with, with the religion. Christianity gets me angry. So we're not even gonna go there, but we are running out of time. So the last thing I wanna ask you guys, because let's face it now, I think we all have to accept we are now of auntie status. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> we are of that age now, where we're walking down the street and black kids we don't know, right, bumping just go, sorry, auntie, sorry, Aisha, you can find yourself where you like your auntie status now, love. No, right? that's just the menopause, honey. I really am an auntie. <laughs> we are now, do you know what I mean? And it's like, actually, I insist on it sometimes, do you know what I mean? Like yeah, sometimes, when the younger black people speak to me on Twitter, and I'm like, oh, Ava, I'm like, excuse me? Excuse- auntie. And they're like, oh, right, auntie. I like, auntie Ava to you. Thank you very, very much. Um, it was so funny, I was talking to Jason Okinayo, is it Okinayo? Okinayo, the writer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Talking about something, because I'd want him to come on the show, and he did any- anyway. The guy he did his project with, Mark Thompson, came on the show. And then he said something, so, oh, you on with Uncle Mark? Da, 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 da. Oh, something Ava, and I was like, Auntie Ava, went, Uncle Mark's going to tell me off. I was like, Auntie <laughs> Ava, thank you very much, and we'll leave it there. Um, so we are of auntie status, but with what Elaine just brought out, I mean, when it came to Love Island or whatever, there are different rules for our kids coming up and our nephews, our nieces, our children. Um, like we were rooting, it's the only series I ever watched because I just had to get into it because everyone on Twitter was talking about the racist aspects of Love Island. Everyone was for Amber. Everybody was for Amber. <laughs> and nobody's criticising these younger black kids going on TV and kissing people. So it is changing for them. So. What I would say is, our last bit, what advice would we give the youngers about blackness? If you could just give them a couple of sentences, a short paragraph, uh, what would what would you say to them about it in, in terms of, anyone wanna go, Elaine? It's really interesting because I guess that they're now second generation or third generation. Third. And so they, as I said, I can say I'm from Ghana, mm. but if your mum's born here and your dad's born here, are you really from Ghana? <laughs> and it's okay for you to support England, you know. It is actually okay. Um, it is okay to be different um, and just walk in, just run your own race and you can be wherever you want to be, honestly. But Still don't do what some of those people do. Still remember you've got to have home training. Still remember don't cuss your parents back because that's what your ancestors would say. And you know that they will talk about you 
whether it's in Patwa, whether it's in Creole, whether it's in Sri or Yoruba, and you won't understand what they're saying, but your parents will be shamed if you talk back to them. That's really good advice. That's really, really, really good advice. Mm. Aisha, what would you tell the youngest about blackness? Um, I think it's, yeah, the best bit that Elaine said is about running your own race. Be your own black, you know? Doesn't matter, you are black. So whatever you choose to be, unless you're harming other black people, is black. Yeah. It doesn't matter what anyone else says. It doesn't matter what white supremacy says blackness is. It doesn't even matter what other black people say blackness is. You're black, so if you choose to do this, whether it's music, if you choose to have hips that don't move very well, you know, if you choose that, then that's you're you're living in your black hipness. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's probably what I would. Say. I think I would say I don't know for like my, my own kids, it's quite important. Um, food. The other day I made me meat. I said, listen, mate, we're not going to be doing this for the rest of our lives. I'm not having you go spicy. I learned her, I taught her to enjoy the burn of pepper. Not that I didn't hurt her. It was just slight burn of pepper. I was like, now get that burn. She's like, oh, I see why you like chili, mum. I get it. I said, it's a lovely little burn, you know, because we're, we're not going to be doing the one meal for you, one meal for me all our lives. Um, it doesn't matter who you support, what music you listen to, uh, whatever. Your hair needs moisture and so does your skin. Um, and yeah, I would say like, you know, to, to be aware though, to be aware that racism still exists. It doesn't matter, you know, I call them the generation, the third generation are the ones with the mums with English accents. It blows mm. my mind. I'm always saying, oh my God, his mum's got an English accent. It's like, yeah, so does mine. I was like, oh my God, I do, I do. Uh, it was just like, I find that so odd as a black person because you, you, I, I can relate to it being, you know what I mean? But when your mum's got an English accent to me, that's weird. Yeah, my mum has an English accent, doesn't she? Yeah, it's so weird. Oh, I didn't even think about it like that. Yeah, because to me, don't have English accents. They just don't. Well, Rohan's right. say, yeah, be yourself, but be aware of racism as well. Do you know what I mean? Whatever you want to say, it still exists and you're still going to have to face it and choose the way that you're going to face it. But yeah, be free. I want them to be free, but please keep cooking our food. Yes. My kids rejected rice and peas on Christmas Day. That was a real hard thing for me. I didn't like that. It was like, just, just keep some stuff. Please keep some stuff. Louise, what would you say? As a okay. just the, the last brilliant bit of advice for our, our young kids. You know, I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to sort of, um, I'm thinking of my niece and my nephews here actually because you know they're half they're, they're Ghanaian they're Jamaican they're Indian but they're British so like I look at my nephew's Twitter page and he's got all four flags there you know he's got all he's got all four flags there and what he'll do is that he'll celebrate Ghanaian Independence Day he'll celebrate like I think it was um, East Indian Enslavement Day yesterday so he'll celebrate that because that's where his origin came from and I think it is about like being yourself, embracing your origins. Yes, you know, like maybe that your mum or, or dad or whatever was born or raised here, but like there's nothing wrong with recognizing who you were. And, you know, like I like Desmond, right? And, you know, there's a really good line that um, uh, uh, Shirley Ambrose says, right? So she says that, you know, you can do, yeah, you can do things because of who you are, not in spite of who you are. Do you know? And I love that. I really, really love that. And I think that's what I would tell people because like, you know, there is still, let's just say in education, there is still that narrative that if you're black, you can't do this, you can't do that. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. We're not having that. You can do it. You can, 
and you can be that you can be you while you're doing these things you know what i mean so hold it down keep it real embrace your origins and it doesn't matter how far down it is down the line because these lot my niece and my nephew they're third generation but they are who they are so yeah keep it real man that is a perfect way to end it that is some advice so we spent the last just over an hour speaking about what blackness is and uh, you heard it here first we don't even know so uh, thank you everyone for watching another great episode of Black Women's Hour. Ladies, you're going to stay behind and do our Patreon show, aren't you? Ten questions. You both have they've both done it already. No, they've done it separately. Haven't you? Have you done it together? We haven't done it together. Well, we need this is Join us on Patreon and see a cousin versus cousin war. Okay. Wow. We're going to see who's going to give the best 10 questions. Aisha, we could change a few as we go through as well. But thank you for watching the, the Black Woman's Hour. Thank you, thank Bye. you guys very much. We are going to continue our series on blackness, identity politics, and what it means uh, next week. Hopefully we have Cindy Hansen. Yes. And uh, we will be just, just you know, exploring uh, the mixed race topic. Um, so Aisha, the House Negro will be leading. Thank you, bye! Mixed race person. 